You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Pharmacy Podcast Nation. Not sure if you have snow where you're at, but in the Pittsburgh area, southwestern Pennsylvania, where the Pharmacy Podcast Network Studios is, we are getting snow. We are getting lots of snow. We had about eight inches about a week ago, and today we picked up an additional six inches. So it's been one of those mornings where your children's schools are delayed and your daycare is delayed and your dogs don't know what's going on and people are running around on the road uh, crazy. So for you Southern people, just like my family, who all lives in Eastern Florida, who aren't experiencing this, um, you have to feel sorry for us Northerners. And um, Chloe Givens, Dr. Chloe Givens, are you experiencing any snow this morning? Sadly, we are not having any snow here, but we were supposed to get some, but that is just this bipolar Tennessee weather. You never really know what to expect. That's a good way of putting it. The consistency of Pittsburgh's weather is inconsistency. So I agree with the with the term bipolar. Welcome, <laughs> uh, Dr. Chloe Givens. I am excited to have you on the show today. We have a special interview. Um, just want to let the listeners know. Um, Dr. Givens is our director of, of uh, strategy and, and content development, really digs into many of the facets of audio and the expansion of audio as a supplement to your learning and kicked out the very first NAPLEX-oriented podcast and helping P4s to prepare for the NAPLEX exam and how important that is. But Chloe, we've been so excited to be working with you. Thank you so much, Todd. And it has been such a pleasure to come on to the Pharmacy Podcast Network team. And I am just so excited for what we are going to continue to create together. Absolutely. So we have a special episode today, and it's bringing us back to the commitment that we made to the Pharmacy Podcast Nation about three years ago, when we said that we wanted to reach out to the pharmaceutical manufacturer sector of our healthcare industry. It's so important to really bring in more thought leaders in that space to talk directly to our pharmacists in any of the facets of pharmacy care that we have, community, um, you know, health system, hospital, long-term care, specialty pharmacy, which is exploding, and even the compounding sector. So today, based on an interesting um, lead that was given to us um, by the Finn Partners team, who we absolutely love working with, we have an opportunity to interview Red Hill Biopharma, and that is upcoming in just a little bit on the Pharmacy Podcast Nation. Hey there, welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast. We have an interesting interview today with Mr. Guy Goldberg with Red Hill Biopharma. And with me today is also Dr. Chloe Givens. Hey, welcome to the show, Guy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. So I received a message from our team at Finn Partners, who we do uh, work with and coverage with. They bring us some of the most interesting stories. And we received a message about Red Hill Biopharma. And they the announcement was that the FDA had cleared the company's investigational new drug IND application for a phase two out of three study evaluation 
Um, and I'm not even sure what that means um, because I am not a pharmacist. Why do you think I have Dr. Givens here with us? But regardless, before we get into that and unpack that, Guy, give us a, a short background of yourself, the role that you play with Red Hill Biopharma. Sure. Uh, hello, everybody. My name is Guy Goldberg. I'm the chief business officer uh, here at Red Hill, uh, based in Tel Aviv. So you were talking about the snow. Uh, here in the Middle East, it's a mid-70s. So, <laughs> But on the other hand, during August, it's quite hot here. So we, we balanced it out. So I'm based here in Tel Aviv. Uh, Red Hill is a uh, is a is a U.S. company. We have a, a global headquarters here in Tel Aviv, but most of our operations, most of our activity, uh, is based in uh, in in uh, in the U.S. Uh, headquartered in in Raleigh, North Carolina. And what we do is we uh, develop drugs uh, targeting unmet medical needs in the area of uh, of gastrointestinal disease and infectious disease. Uh, my role as a chief business officer is uh, is a little bit of everything, uh, helping out from from everything from from telling the story, uh, speaking to investors, uh, to working uh, in finance and uh, business development and clinical development. Just a little bit of everything. We have we have dedicated team members and all these key functions, and I I jump around a bit from uh, from area to area. So. Open us up with a little bit on this RHB-107. Tell us a little bit about that and how it plays into assisting our healthcare providers throughout the world with regards to this pandemic that we're experiencing. Thank you for the question. So we have at Red Hill two uh, uh, products that we're working on uh, to, to try to help with the, the COVID pandemic, uh, both of them addressing a, a little bit different um, areas of, of the disease. Uh, so the RHB 107 or upamistat is the one you referred to. So this is a first-in-class orally administered uh, serine protease, um, and we're we're very it's inhibitor of serine proteases. We're very excited about this drug because it's targeted to uh, the population of mild to moderate uh, um, patients uh, who have uh, COVID-19 disease, and very importantly it works on the host cell membranes. And the reason that's important is that it potentially uh, is not affected by the various strains that we hear about uh, that are, are putting into question the, the efficacy of the different drugs that are used as, as well as, as possibly uh, the vaccines. So as you stated, FDA uh, cleared our IND application in, in November, um, and we're very excited to get this uh, uh, study uh, going, a phase two, three study. Uh, this is a drug that has had exposure to over 200 patients and other indications. So we have a pretty uh, 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 good record as to the safety and the tolerability profile. And in addition, we have uh, preclinical data. So we actually tested uh, this drug uh, in a COVID-19 preclinical model, and it showed a very nice potent antiviral activity. Uh, including uh, dose-dependent um, uh, activity, which is important when you, you want to see that with, with the drug. Uh, and we did it, importantly, without significantly compromising uh, the cell viability. So we know it wasn't just we were wiping out everything in, in the way, but we were able to really target uh, this antiviral activity and keep uh, the cell intact. So that's very exciting, uh, the, the, the first uh, product that we worked on. The other that we're working on, and the other one is more advanced, is a drug called Opaganib. And this one is, is very exciting uh, for us um, for a number of reasons. Uh, the first is this one has a dual mechanism of action. 
So it has a, both an antiviral and an anti-inflammatory mechanism of action. So it really sets us apart uh, from, of the, from, from, some, from, from some of the other uh, products that are, that are in development and even those who have emergency use authorization. Uh, number two is this is an oral pill. So a lot of the pharmacists out there might be uh, familiar with, with some of the challenges of the current drugs that are approved for emergency use authorization and, and the need to, to do infusions that, that take time and are, are cumbersome. This is an oral pill, which makes it a very uh, 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 important um, delivery mechanism. Number three, just like with our other product, this one works on the host and therefore uh, potentially overcomes all the problems of the mutations. We think we should be able to work even with the mutations that you see, people talking about the South African uh, mutations, the British uh, mutations, uh, the fact that this could be the number one uh, new challenge for, for the COVID-19 epidemic in the United States. And, and most importantly, we have data. Uh, so not just preclinical data where we're able to show complete viral uh, in, in complete inhibition of viral replication, but also human clinical data. Uh, so we completed a phase two study, and we just announced the results of the, the phase two study in the end of uh, December. And the data was very exciting for us. We were able to show improvement in the proportion of patients uh, reaching room air and no longer requiring oxygen support by day 14. So just as a background, this opaginib is a drug for patients who are hospitalized and require oxygen support but are not yet intubated. So this is a very serious uh, patient population uh, where there are no good treatments uh, available. We were able to show improvement in the proportion of patients reaching room air. In other words, those no longer requiring oxygen support. And we're able to show improvement in the proportion of patients uh, who were able to be discharged by day 14. So two very important uh, markers that show uh, efficacy. This was a smaller patient population, about 40 patients. Uh, but very important improvement, and the one that we hope will, will be uh, validated in our current global study that we're doing, a phase two, three study that we're uh, currently in the middle of. So very exciting time for the company uh, with two uh, very uh, promising drugs uh, for, uh, for COVID-19. So back up for a second. Dr. Chloe, I want to kind of bring you into this conversation about mutation. And this is very interesting because I've read about this. We have uh, COVID-19. It has a very specific identifier. Part of SARS evolved, obviously new. It's the why that we're in the pandemic that we're in. What happens to a body um, when you get your vaccine? You get your vaccine number one. You get your vaccine number two as it stands today. And then now we have exposure to this new mutated version of COVID-19. Can you kind of unpack that a little bit? Absolutely. So when a person is vaccinated a, against any type of viral infection, their body is going to naturally start to develop antibodies. So just like with anything in nature, there are going to be external factors that are going to cause viruses to slowly mutate. And so that is why, just like with our annual flu, we always see different strains coming into 
the environment every single year. So that's why you always see new flu vaccines being introduced that are targeting that specific strain and that specific mutation for that virus. So just like with the flu, COVID-19 is also a similar type of virus that is showing mutations. So even though we do have our population getting vaccinated now, there are still going to be mutations of that virus. So I will be interested to see if we are going to have new doses of the vaccine being released once we see those mutations coming into the population. So how does this combined and or accelerate and or protect our patients, uh, Guy, us as a culture, us as a society, in moving forward, it seems like there's so many moving parts to the um, to the change of the virus, and and how um, Red Hill is kind of keeping up with that, especially with the development of the uh, of the drug that you just described. Yeah, it's a great question. I think Chloe uh, uh, described the situation very well. That we you know we don't know yet uh, what the effect will be. Of these uh, these these strains, the South African strain, the the UK strain, uh, there's been some some evidence indicating that the vaccine-induced uh, neutralizing titers are reduced versus South African strain, and there's some evidence also that the the antibodies that are used on the on the treatment side don't neutralize versus some of the strains. But the evidence is very early, and we don't know. Uh, so where that you know where that puts us is as a society. Uh, people, uh, public health officials, really, and in infectious disease experts are talking about the very high likelihood that COVID-19 will become an endemic disease, meaning it will be, it's just going to be something that we're going to have to live with. Uh, I think even the CEO of Moderna, which is the, the vaccine company, has warned that the virus is going to be around forever uh, because of these mutations and because of, of how widespread uh, it's based, which means that even with the success of the vaccines, and it's you know the vaccines are are a wonderful thing. Um, you know I've been vaccinated, and and I hope uh, as many people get vaccinated as possible. But we're still looking at dealing with the very uh, dangerous virus, and there's a need for uh, uh, treatments uh, to be developed uh, that will be an important part of of dealing with this whole pandemic situation. So uh, opagonib. Uh, in, in the case of Red Hill, how we're, we're approaching it, the, the, the thing that it does that makes it, I think, very unique is that it works on the host. So it doesn't work on, the, on specifically on, on the virus itself. And what that means is it casts a wider net in terms of being able to, uh, to, to, to uh, deal with the virus. And, and because of that, we're uh, cautiously optimistic that it will be able to overcome uh, various mutations that we're seeing and, and probably will see in the future uh, that, that could be very uh, uh, problematic. So that, that's our approach and we're, we're, we're excited to have a drug that, that works in the way that it does. Where are you in timing, um, Guy, with Opaganib um, with regards to it being at, at full release um, throughout the world? Yes, so we've completed uh, a phase two study in the United States. We just announced uh, that data. Uh, we had positive top line safety and efficacy data in the end of December. In parallel, we are conducting a global phase two, three study. 
So this is a randomized, double-blind, uh, placebo-controlled study, and that's very important because um, sometimes you'll hear of, of drugs that, that worked here, that worked there. Uh, it's very important to go and actually read what that means. Was it a randomized, double-blind, double uh, placebo-controlled study? Because that really is the gold standard for proving uh, that a drug works. So that's what uh, we're doing. It's, it's very unique in that not many companies have gotten to the stage that, that we are of being in the middle of such a study. Uh, we're enrolling approximately 460 subjects uh, in, in several different countries around the world. So uh, everywhere from, from Italy, the UK, Russia, Israel, Mexico, Brazil, uh, with further expansion ongoing, hopefully in the US as well. Very importantly, we've had three DSMB, this is sort of the, the Data and Safety Monitoring Board, reviews the, the unblinded data throughout the, the course of the study. They review to, to, for, for various purposes, and we've had three such reviews. Um, all of them have recommended to, uh, to continue the study, uh, either for safety or, or, or futility analysis. So very exciting and, 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 and promising um, study that's ongoing. Where we are with it is that we are hoping to get top line data from this global uh, phase two, three study uh, in the second quarter. So we're talking about just a, a few short months from now. Uh, and we're hoping that this study will be enough for a potential uh, emergency use uh, applications, uh, not just in the US, but globally. Uh, and if we're able to do that, we're talking about really sometime next quarter being able to make this drug uh, available to, to patients. Very good. So I think of, I, I, like, I like having different perspectives because Guy, you're submerged in this with regards to your position with, with Red Hill. Um, Chloe, you're here as a pharmacist because you understand application as well as questions that you're probably getting from uh, patients and consumers. I sit here as the consumer. So I'm constantly thinking about efficacy. I'm thinking about um, how often I'm going to need something like this. I'm thinking about the new world that we live in that I think we have to be cognizant of of aspects of our healthcare system, as well as what this pandemic has changed, but not to be fearful in moving forward and having confidence in our scientists, in our physicians, um, obviously in our pharmacists. I wanna know more about um, really the, the future. And, and Chloe, I wanted to kind of open things up to you. Do you, do you or have you heard of follow-up medications or drugs being developed there's one that we'd like to ask a uh, guy about that um, that you actually um, pinged me last night about. Can you can you talk to him about that next um, medication that that you um, you and I had talked about? Um, so, Todd, I am actually curious. Um, there are some newer vaccines that are in the pipeline. It seems like um, specifically one called Valneva. Um, so, I'm just curious how the drugs that are in development from Red Hill Biopharma and some of these newer vaccines that are potentially going to be introduced into the public, how those are going to work together in our fight against COVID-19. Yeah, thank you for the question. So, uh, you know, there's definitely the, the front runners of, of, uh, of uh, vaccines that have already, uh, are already in use. And there's uh, we see a, a second generation of vaccines that are, that are still in development. 
the front runners obviously have, have had a, an enormous impact uh, and hopefully will have a, a, a large uh, uh, impact on the, the course of this, uh, this pandemic. Uh, a lot of people are concerned that with time um, or maybe even now there will be strains and uh, the, uh, the vaccines uh, will be uh, less effective. For example, there's concern with the South African strain, whether the, the vaccines uh, titers are reduced uh, because of those strains. So the need for, for uh, new um, vaccines will, will, I think, continue to be there, uh, whether it's Valneva or many of the others that are, that are out there. They're using different approaches, not just the, the mRNA approaches that have that so far been approved uh, from, from Pfizer and from, from Moderna. Uh, I think regardless of the vaccines, the treatment side, the treatment aspect will continue to, uh, to be very important. People still don't know, we still don't know the durability uh, of any of these vaccines. That's a big, big question, you know, how long do they work? We still don't know whether the vaccines stop the virus or they just stop the symptoms. Can, can the virus spread through people who have been vaccinated? That's a very important question, especially if you talk about uh, large populations as of now, such as children and those who are not able to take the, the vaccines, uh, um, not being vaccinated, that's very important. Um, we don't know whether the vaccines, how well they work, will work in the older populations or, or at-risk populations. And of course, the issue of, of mutations. Uh, there was somebody who's on the, the board of trustees uh, here in Israel at the University of Haifa who said uh, the vac a vaccine will never be effective 100% of, of the time will never be 100% safe and will never be available to 100% of the people. And I think the need for treatments uh, will be very acute, uh, even with uh, all the advances that we're seeing um, on the vaccine side of things. Um, and I'm so glad that you mentioned that because it is very true that a vaccine is never going to be 100% effective. And I think that a lot of times just kind of the general population maybe forgets that. So I do think that it's really amazing that Red Hill is developing these new drugs that can be used for treatment, specifically Opaganib and just its mechanism of action. It's just very interesting to me how it works and even the fact that it has shown some anti-cancer activity and inflammatory and can also potentially be used for other gastrointestinal indications. So I just think that that's really amazing that that is in the pipeline and potentially going to be introduced soon. Thank you. You know, we uh, we were lucky with this drug. We we when we brought it in, we were exactly as you were uh, pointing out. Thing, we were developing an oncology. Uh, and we were also looking to develop it because of the anti-inflammatory mechanism of action in various uh, GI indications. And when the uh, the COVID epidemic about a year ago uh, started spreading, uh, we looked back at some of the previous work uh, that had been done preclinically, and we were just amazed at how uh, how how strong that the preclinical data was. On, uh, on antiviral activity as, as well as just broad anti-inflammatory uh, activity in several different models for, for both of them. And that's what gave us the confidence to, to move forward um, and develop it and, and get the preclinical data and get these clinical studies uh, underway. And so far, the, the different pieces of the puzzle are fitting together. We're, we've we've b even made the drug available on a compassionate use basis here in Israel with some uh, promising results. 
there's the clinical study that I mentioned, and there's the preclinical data in a, in a COVID model that have all been uh, supportive. So now we're waiting for this important phase two, three study. And hopefully this is the last uh, big piece of the puzzle that we can then put as a package and, and, and submit to FDA. So uh, very exciting times for us, and hopefully we'll be able to make uh, an impact with this terrible pandemic. That's exciting because I like I like our listeners. I like the pharmacists who are are tuning in regularly to understand that there's other things happening um, in this uh, pandemic, and and what can be a game changer is a combination. That I don't think there is ever one medication that is the silver bullet. I believe that it is a combination based on the diverseness of our entire population. And it, it takes organizations to keep working um, like uh, Red Hill Biopharma to continue to develop that next phase to keep up with the changing um, viruses, to, to keep up with this, this pandemic. So this has been an, an absolute um, uh, treat for us and um, welcome uh, Red Hill Biopharma um, to really give us all of you know, the information that you have that's publicly available in the development and research and development um, and, and how this impacts us as, as a society. And we're having uh, challenges with the uh, rollout of the, of the vaccine right now. We're in, a, we're in a state of pause and waiting for more vaccine to be coming from Moderna and, and Pfizer. But having other organizations back this up, just like you said, Guy, this is not the end of our challenges in the space of, of viruses, of even some of the pandemics. We have to learn to live with it. We have to learn to, uh, once again, trust our scientists and developers of, of medications to ensure um, you know, mass safety as much as possible. But do you have anything that you can tell us of what's coming in the future from your team um, from Red Hill Biopharma and, and what you what you see uh, coming down the pike, as well as messaging specifically for pharmacists that you'd like to, to call out to? Yes, uh, well, well, thanks. Um, and the important thing for, for our drugs um, is, uh, well, I'll, I'll talk about, about Opaganib and then, uh, and then, uh, and then also uh, our, our commercial drugs, you know, so, so your listeners can have a, a full picture of the company and what we're doing. You know, on, on the, on the, um, on the on the opaganib and the and the COVID side of things, I think from a from a pharmacist perspective, uh, uh, some of them may be familiar uh, with remdesivir, uh, convalescent plasma, uh, Lilly's product, Regenerance Regenerance product. Uh, these are all products with uh, with with complex uh, logistics uh, requiring uh, uh, preparation time, uh, requiring long infusions, requiring uh, monitoring. Uh, the exciting thing about uh, opaganib and opamistat are they're both oral pills. Uh, so hopefully that will help uh, your 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 uh, listeners uh, make their lives easier if our product is given emergency use authorization, and when we think it will make the the these these treatments available uh, to a much uh, broader population and, and much more manageable. Uh, so we're very excited about that uh, from the from the um, from from the the pharmacist perspective, the the, the ease of use. Um, from uh, from the, the company perspective, just so your your listeners have a, a broader sense of, of, of who we are and, and and who's the company behind these products. Uh, so we're Red Hill is a fully integrated company. We have uh, different products in development. We also have uh, three products that we are uh, uh, promoting that are FDA approved. Uh, this includes Movantic, uh, 
which is a market-leading treatment for opioid-induced constipation. So the opioid therapy that, that uh, many people are on for, for moderate, to, uh, to, moderate to, to severe chronic pain, uh, um, the, the number one side effect is, is constipation. And Movantic is part of the Pomora class of drugs uh, that was, uh, the Movantic was launched from AstraZeneca. We took over the product and it's a, it's a really great uh, product uh, helping patients uh, with this uh, important um, side effect of opioid therapy. Uh, the second uh, product that we promote is Telicia, which is a uh, treatment for H. pylori infection. It's the first new treatment for H. pylori treat for H. pylori infection in over a decade. Uh, this is a, a very large unmet medical need. Uh, there are 2 million people who are treated for this uh, infection every year. And this is the one where, where the problem of resistance is very serious, similar to, uh, to, to, to COVID. Uh, the problem of resistance to current standard of care uh, is a very big problem. For, for H. pylori treatment, and it's been identified as such uh, and, and, and by, by both the WHO and the, and the FDA. So we have the first new treatment, and we just launched this product uh, just a few months ago, so it's one your, your listeners may, may come across. Uh, we're very excited about this product. as great efficacy, overcomes resist, resistance issue, a very clean uh, safety and intolerability profile. And the third product that we're promoting is Amcolo. Uh, it's a new treatment for traveler's diarrhea. There hasn't been uh, much traveling uh, uh, post-COVID, but pre-COVID, 60 million Americans traveled to medium to high-risk regions for traveler's diarrhea. It's a number one health issue for people who travel abroad. And we have a, a new minimally absorbed antibiotic with the targeted delivery system. And when travel comes back, I think this is one that will also be uh, um, very much uh, um, an important drug uh, in this disease. So those are our three commercial products. Uh, so we have a, a small company. Uh, maybe not many of your listeners would have would have heard of us, but a lot of products uh, on the market, important products addressing unmet medical needs, and then uh, and then many other things in our pipeline that we hope will will be available to patients uh, sometime in the future that will make their lives better. Thank you, Guy. In the show notes for our listeners, we are going to have links to uh, two different uh, news releases that talk about what we discussed on the podcast episode today. We'll also include, Guy, your uh, LinkedIn profile so that pharmacists can connect with you. And also, uh, Dr. Chloe Givens' information will be there. Guy, this has been um, an honor to be able to interview you on this. We want to invite you back and your team back um, really to dig into disease state focus that you have as an organization as Red Hill Biopharma continues to develop uh, different pharmaceutical uh, products, because that is where I've always, as a consumer, um, looked at the markets and said, we need more communications between the manufacturers and our pharmacists who lead our efforts in medication management and medication safety. So Guy, this has been an absolute treat and I thank you for, for being part of this discussion. Thank you. I very much uh, enjoyed it as well and, uh, and, and happy to, uh, to return anytime you guys want to talk again. Absolutely. And Chloe, thank you so much for being available today. I know that was short notice. Absolutely. It was a pleasure to be here and to be able to join in on this conversation because I do think that everything that Red Hill Biopharma is in the process of creating is really important. And I'm just so intrigued by their new drug, Opaganib, and just how it has shown to work in the preclinical model and just the different little aspects of its mechanism of action and how it can just really help with 
easing this pandemic and really helping those who have COVID-19. Absolutely. We have audience uh, members who chime in often and talk about the opioid epidemic. Uh, there's a medication that uh, the Red Hill Biopharma team works on in opioid-induced uh, constipation. Uh, focusing, you also have one focused on Crohn's disease, um, also a bowel cleanser, and oncology indications and COVID-19. So I think there's lots that we could continue to talk about, Guy. If you're listening today and you um, want to access more information, please find Red Hill Biopharma at redhillbio.com. Once again, that's Red Hill bio bio.com and as always i thank you so much for what you do as pharmacists and leading healthcare and being frontline providers if you need anything please reach out to the pharmacy podcast team we have 32 hosts that are dedicated to pushing additional information out in audio for our pharmacy and pharmacist professionals and we're excited to do this excited to have uh Dr. Chloe on our team, as well as uh, Finn Partners helping us to um, develop stories and develop discussions that really make sense. And with that, I thank you so much for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast.